Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's really designed to help you think about, reflect, and really plan for your remodeling business. What I try to do is I take different topics that I think are really relevant and thought-provoking, also bring in outside experts and thought leaders on different subjects that hopefully help you to really process and think about this. This podcast series is brought to you by my friends at Professional Remodeler, as well as NARI, the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, and it's produced by my friends at Surefire Local. Today, I'm going to talk about a topic that I think is not only kind of real-time and relevant, but it's also stretching some of the medium and longer-term muscles. One of the things the pandemic has caused us is to think very, very short-term, you know, one foot ahead, thinking in terms of 12-week cycles, not necessarily one-year cycles. And as a result of that, I think we haven't spent enough time really thinking medium and long-term. The good news is now that we have a vaccine in place and we certainly have a little bit more settling of the political situation, I think we can probably look forward and start to think about some topics. Now, coming up in my interview, I have an expert, David Lutberger, who's going to talk about certainly the mechanics of our topic today, but I'm going to give you some of the insights and some of my experiences first. And that is, we're going to be focusing on transitions, on exiting of businesses. Now, for many, many years, I've asked audience, how many of you would like to at some point exit your remodeling business? And as you can imagine, the majority of hands go up. The follow-up question is, how many of you have an exit strategy? And as you can also imagine, very few hands go up. So this whole notion of transition and exit to the business is pretty inevitable. The question is, you know, how can you control it? How can you really determine? How can you start planning ahead? Many years ago, I had a friend that talked about that he was going to rewire, not retire. And coming from remodeling, that really hit a chord for me. And I started actually writing and using that as a theme in some of some of my columns and certainly wrote a, a paper on the subject. But this notion of rewiring, not retiring, I think is really appealing to many people that have got involved in remodeling and remodeling businesses. Many people, you know, had some sawdust in their blood or had a passion for certain kinds of things. And as a result of that, you know, this notion of as you move to the future, it's not laying on the beach or sitting on the beach and clipping coupons. It's really more, what do I need to do to make this transition? So in my interview, a little bit later, we're going to be talking about this subject more in detail, but I'm going to give you kind of my Letterman top 10, top 10 little insights, tips, thoughts on this whole notion of preparing and thinking about uh, uh, transitioning out of your business. The first is the business value itself. I think you ask most people, they really think they've got a pretty valuable asset. Well, the reality is, in many cases, it's more of a liability than an asset. And I don't say that to be uh, disparaging in any way. I say that because I think it's critical that you really understand the business is only valuable if you can make the transition in the right way. 
there are a lot of different valuation kind of tools and multiples and techniques that in working with, I think, a professional, you can determine what those are. However, don't necessarily think that you've got a giant pot of gold whenever and you have a whole lineup of people that will want to buy this. Many, many remodeling businesses are not saleable in large part because you haven't positioned it for that. The second tip I would have is, as you think about the future, it's very fuzzy, I think, for many people, but don't necessarily think about what you want to do, but think about how you want to feel. That will influence, I think, how you think about the transitions, how you want to feel, even though you don't have the clarity in terms of what exactly it is you want to be doing next, how you want to feel in terms of uh, the, the, the emotional elements, in terms of freedoms, all those kind of things I think you can start to articulate even though you don't know exactly what it's going to be. Number three on my list is start early. Now, when I started my first wave of transitions, I actually started about 10 years before the transition actually took place. So I think this notion of starting early, whether it's five years or 10 years, but you definitely want to start, you know, probably three years or more uh, before you actually make the actual transition. And I think the benefit of doing that is it's going to give you the biggest return and most importantly, you can control it. Number four is I sit back and reflect, and I've been involved in five to 10 actually transitions in the last few years that were very, very successful. However, 90% of these transitions that happen in the remodeling space happen either to a family member or a team member as opposed to an outside buyer. So if you realize that that's where a lot of the success is, then you can actually start to position it, whether it's for family or whether it is for an outside employee or a, 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 a bringing in the right person. But the ma- majority of the remodeling businesses transition in that way. Number five is think win, win, win. The win for you is selling the business and doing it successfully. The win for the buyer, whether it's an employee or a family member, is a win for them. And the win also for the business itself. You know, is the business in a successful kind of positioned space that is going to make it successful? And I think if you have that mantra, it's got to be a win for you, it's got to be a win for the buyer, and it's got to be a win for the business, the likelihood of success is going to be greater. Number six is in this whole notion of preparing yourself for the future. If there's one thing that I look back and I really appreciate what I was able to accomplish myself was what I call kind of planting seeds. So years before the actual transition, plant some of these outside seeds, plant some of the seeds of things that you want to be doing, investments maybe you want to be doing, making, uh, could be related to other activities, whether it's boards or whether it's charitable activity. What are those things? So if you plant enough of those seeds, when the actual transition takes place, it becomes kind of a seamless process and it needs to be very customized for yourself. Number seven is, I would say, be semi-transparent. And I use the word very carefully, semi, as opposed to totally transparent, because I think it's important that people don't have the fears of you transitioning out of the business unnecessarily. But at the same time, I think they need to understand there is a reality 
And the reality is you will get to the place where you will want that. So I would say be semi-transparent, transparent in terms of educating the key team members. This is what a successful transition might look like. You may not be sure about exactly who and how it's all going to take place, but I would not necessarily keep it a secret. I think for many team members, there's some natural anxiety and certainly fears that are out there. Number Uh, eight on my list was also have some clarity of what you want and need as you move to that next place. What do you want in terms of uh, controls? What do you want in terms of doing what you love doing? You know, one of the successful transitions that I've been involved with, the owner actually still loved to do some design work. So he continued to do some of the design work, whereas all the other nuts and bolts in the business was handled by the new owner. So being clear of what you want and what you need also financially coming out of this is really important because if you have the flexibility financially that you could make the transition uh, in a way that doesn't involve necessarily a big financial event, I think it can help you to be more successful. Number nine on my list, which kind of relates to the team member, is I always ask the question, who's the champion? You know, who is the person that can carry the baton on? Now, that champion needs to have not only the right qualities, but they need to be coached and they need to be mentored. So many, many years before the actual transition in place, whether it's internally coaching and mentoring or externally, it's very important that this champion is especially strong when, in fact, you make the transition itself. And number 10 on my top 10 list is get a coach, get an advisor. You know, this is a very serious process. And I've seen many that have not been very successful in large part because they've tried to work it out themselves without necessarily get some outside help and guidance. Think of it like a pro athlete. Can you imagine being a pro athlete and not having a coach, not having an advisor of what you're doing? Of course not. This is a very serious process. And I think that the more that you can look at it in a way through the lenses of an outside advisor or coach, I think the better you're going to be too. So I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. It's great to start to stretch our muscles and look out to the future. You know, I think it's a natural human thing to want to be planning for the future rather than just reacting to all the day-to-day events. So again, I want to thank my supporters for this particular podcast and I stay tuned to my uh, advisor thought leader interview that's coming up here shortly. Take care. Welcome back to Remodeling Mastery. I'm your host, Mark Richardson, and this is the segment of Remodeling Mastery that I oftentimes enjoy the most because I bring on either thought leaders or experts in different elements that really help you understand and take your business to the next level. Today, I have an old friend and certainly former remodeler, but a consultant and someone that's a national speaker as well, David Luperger. Some of you have heard him. He's written quite a bit as well. And uh, we want to talk about a topic today that uh, while it may not be kind of uh, on the top of your list or the top of your mind, it's certainly something that, quite frankly, we all go through. And as they've said, you know, we're all born and we'll all die. But I think that's also true when it comes to remodeling leaders is that 
at some point, whether you like it or not, there's going to be a passage. And that passage is going to be where you pass the baton, where you shut the door, or you move on and exit your business. I know in my own experiences, I've gone through passages, and there are some keys to success that I think David and myself can tell you today, at least, are things that you, you, would, you should consider. So, David, welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Thank you. I appreciate uh, being here just prior to the Thanksgiving holiday. Good to see you. Great, great. So let's dive in. You know, I, I, I actually uh, uh, wrote a good portion of the book and, and it hasn't been published, but it was kind of playing off this notion of, uh, you know, uh, rewire, don't retire. And as I, you and I were talking the other day, I thought about, you know, kind of dusting that off and going back to some of that. But, you know, as I said at the beginning, we all go through kind of a passage here uh, I think that uh, it's a question of more how and what you do. So, you know, based on your experiences and some of your uh, recent work with helping folks in that exit strategy, uh, talk to us a little bit about kind of that, that, that process and, you know, what, what you're seeing out there in terms of contractor pain and the, similarly the yearning that they have. Great question. So the, the, the pain that I see, and look, you can see I'm a little bit older, so I'm in my 60s. So I'm on a similar passage of reviewing what does the next five years look like? In all honesty, uh, Mark, you mentioned speaking at some of the industry events. Guess what? Half the people in those rooms have either white hair or no hair. All right. So we've got an aging contractor population. And I've had informal conversations. I'm saying, you know, you've got this established business, uh, established database of clients, established trade contractors, supplier relationships. What happens next? And the reality is people don't know. And they're saying, I'll get to it. But until there's a plan, there's nothing happening. And, and part of my concern, and again, part of this with my age is, it's one thing to have a plan, it's also to say, if it doesn't go according to plan, what do we do then? Not unlike remodeling. So all I'm saying to contractors is begin to think about this. It doesn't happen, it doesn't happen overnight. Three, four or five years. Begin to say, as I go through this passage, what does that next five years look like? Well, Dave, let's do this. Let's take maybe a... Uh you know, a scenario of maybe, maybe it's a real world scenario of a certain remodeler, uh, you know, but before I do that, to echo your point, you know, I oftentimes ask audiences, you know, how many of you would like to exit from your business someday, and almost all the hands go up. But then the follow up questions, how many of you do you do you have a, an exit strategy or plan? Usually, it's only one or two hands go up. So yes. there is a big gap between those that want it and those that actually have a plan. But let, let's just say you're at, you have a remodeler of some type, home improvement company of some type. Uh, you know, let's just say for kicks, it's a two to $5 million remodeler, somewhere in that range. Maybe it's a full service remodeler, been in, in it for, you know, the last 25 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting up there, in, 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 you know, in 
some age, uh, I guess Matt, that's maybe the first question is when, when in the process should you start thinking and planning for that exit? Great question again. Most people, when you think about transferring a business, I'm gonna make a key point here, that if you're really transferring the business, it has to be as or more profitable without you as it is with you. That's what makes it a transferable asset. So if you're really thinking about extracting yourself from day-to-day operations, we're talking three to five years of really incorporating key systems, documented job descriptions, procedures, uh, a documented sales process, and really identifying the people in your company who are doing what they do well. So there's really three questions. One is, when do you want to leave? And some kind of schedule, because the schedule then is an orientation, no different from a building plan. Number two, what resources do you need to depart? So do you have the financial basis to maintain the life that you have now? And number three, then is, is there a successor? Because you literally are removing yourself from that operation. And does the company have the wherewithal, the skill and the ambition to maintain the cultural identity and commitment that you've built? So literally three to five years, Mark. I don't so let's, don't do it Dave, let's take each one of those questions because I think you've really kind of nailed and, and, and structured the the conversation the right way. Let's just start with the win. Now you mentioned earlier three to five years, but you know, if I am kind of the, you know, the owner that is carrying the bags and doing the sales, and I don't really have someone to pass the baton to uh, at that point, is three to five years the right length of time? Make it longer. Right. All right. So this could be, you know, the tradesperson, 45, 50 years old. So let's think about at least conceptually the end in mind. So let's make it 10 years. But as I'm working on business systems, really to me, the conversation is what system can I put in place that won't be dependent on me? Instead of just saying, I'm going to hire a salesperson. No, I'm going to hire a salesperson that truly will help me develop a sales process and begin taking that off my plate so that I can focus strategically in other areas. So let's make it 10 years. Where well, we I imagine truly... the flip side of that is true too. If I have my, whatever, my son that's chomping at the bit and wanting to grab the ball or grab the rain, so to speak, maybe in that case, maybe it's more one to two years if in fact the business is not dependent on my specific role. Boy, and that is, that's a unique situation, I think, as you already know. So if you have that successor, a family member, a key employee, man, more power to you. But what I like the conversation I like having is with owners, what happens afterwards? Because as you begin removing yourself, look, this has been your life and your identity for 20, 30, 40 years. And so strategically, you know, we talk about passage. I like that, that term that you just used strategically, it's saying, if you could choose to work on other elements of your business, what would they be that you haven't had time or the focus? And it's a great conversation. 
What can they do in the community? What can they do in regards to building relationships? I mean, it's just a wonderful thing that most owners just haven't taken the time to do. Well, and that's why uh, I actually heard that, uh, that term rewire, don't retire. It not only did not, uh, it, it, it certainly hit the remodeler juice in me uh, with rewiring, but it also really acknowledged that, you know, you're not going to, most people aren't going to just go out on a beach and click coupons. You know, oh, they're going to have that next step that they want to be happy and fulfilled. And it's not necessarily creating a void in your life. It, it's more kind of shifting your energies to different things. Creating an opportunity to do what you do best, to do what you enjoy. And look, you know, I'm 66. I'm not stopping. I like what I do, but I can refine it. And when you mentioned timetable, you know, Mark, five to 10 years to do this. What I want to bring up is oftentimes owners have something, uh, non-monetary goals. So maintaining, you know, you built this company, this company culture. Imagine in this five to 10 year period, maintaining then harmony within the company, maintaining the company culture, um, maintaining community involvement, really rewarding key employees. There's non-monetary goals that I also like focusing on, which is you've built this company based on your integrity, your honesty, your professionalism. How do we maintain that legacy? How do we, how do we communicate those core values so that even without you, those core values extend into and are supported in the future. So let, let's address your part two question. And that is uh, what, what, what do I need? You know, I yeah. remember years ago kind of tapping about, you know, about 14 or 15 of my uh, circle of friends that had a similar lifestyle to mine. And my question was pretty simple. And that is uh, what is enough? What is enough for me to have? Yeah, yeah. And I ask that because I think a lot of times we have false kind of uh, false or misconceptions about what is enough. And what was interesting is that by asking those 14 different people, two of them had outrageous numbers, two of them had very low numbers, and actually 10 of them had very similar numbers to what I was thinking. And as a result of that, it gave me kind of the clarity and it gave me kind of that, that goal and that prize, so to speak, uh, to be able to target. But having that clarity of, of uh, you know, what do I need? When is enough enough financially? Yeah. How yeah. do you guide folks as it relates to that question? And, and you know, when is it enough? Uh, again, what a wonderfully... Um open-ended question. Uh, my wife and I, you know, working 30 years of doing what we do, we've put our head down for so long, you know, supporting our son who's now visiting for the holidays. So what is enough? So I come back to what's your present lifestyle? Is it supporting you in the way that you want? And if you're leaving your business, will your economic base your support, whatever you have, would, allow, would that allow you to continue the lifestyle you have now for the simple reason, I don't think you're gonna to wanna to live on less. So let's look at what you have now. 
and then with the help of a financial planner, and you know this is what they do, which is let's look at the base, look at, look at what you have, let's then extend that and saying if you're pulling on that money on some period of time, what is that annual income? Adding that to social security, but it really is saying, do I have the money to live a life that we will that my my spouse and I will enjoy? And I think in many cases people underestimate. So well, and I think this. in many cases people, quite frankly, don't take the time to just know. And I will say, once you know, it's a level of freedom. Uh, either that's what you know you have to get to, or in many cases, especially with successful remodelers, you're already there. You're, so and, you know, you just, that's a great question, but Mark. Half the people I speak to are already there, right? And so a lot of this transfer is not about making more money. It's about transferring that culture to the benefit of employees, to the benefit of past clients, because they're so concerned about that legacy and supporting the people that have helped them get to that level. So let's move to part three on this. And I know they all weave together and that's who's the successor, who's the champion. You know, oftentimes when I'm, Looking at businesses, I, I, I think in terms of, okay, who's the champion? Who's going to kind of carry the torch? Who's going to be that next leader? I know in my world, I always thought about, okay, who could fire me? You know, who could push me out of the way so that they could be doing it? And I think for many, the idea of having someone to fire you is kind of scary, but it's actually creates a tremendous amount of freedom in you and allows you to move forward and not be kind of ball and chain back in the business. Yes. So talk to us about that successor, that champion, and kind of what advice that you have. So I would like to pick somebody, be it a family member or key employee. I, I isolate those two because they probably have experience with the culture of the company. So to me, extending that legacy is important. Number two, as we look at the, the, the profitability of the company, I want somebody that can have the same ambition that I did. They see what's available. And now think of someone who's transferring or transitioning in the next five, seven to 10 years. For the right person, here's an established company, again, established reputation, uh, past client list, established relationships, subcontractors and suppliers. What a wonderful foundation. They're not starting from scratch. But can I find that person who has that same ambition and drive? They see what's possible. They want to grow it. And then if we put them in a position of leadership, that I'm going to reward them based on performance. It's not, I'm just going to say, I hope this works, but no, we're going to have a basis of saying, here's a company valuation. As we grow to increase revenue, you'll be comp compensated by either ownership in some vested fashion, but I'm going to reward your ambition because if you demonstrate you can grow this company and bring the same energy that I grew it, let's move forward. And guess what? Some successors won't have that same drive. So you may find out after a year or two years or sooner, but guess what? The sooner, the better, because there are those people just like you that would love to step into an operation. They see what's possible 
and they can and will grow the company. So let's, you mentioned valuation, and I know that that's probably, you know, whether it's conscious or subconscious in most people's mind is, you know, what is it really worth that I have here? Or, you know, as I've oftentimes shared with some business owners, look, you know, in some cases, it's more of a liability than it is an asset. So don't kid yourself. But how do you encourage in in kind of simple terms, you know, valuing or understanding the value of the business so that at least you can start that dialogue and conversation with a potential champion or successor of of what that might look like? Um, If you were to sell your company in the open market, guess what? Remodeling companies are not in high demand. Simply speaking, every year we start over. I could have done 2 million in 2019. It doesn't mean I'll do 2 million in 2020 because we're subject to the whims of the economy, just like the virus that we're dealing with now. We don't control that. So to me, a better valuation question or value question is to say within the company with a family, I'm sorry, with a family member, can we begin to work on a process to just build on what I've done. And certain valuation tools you're familiar with, they take uh, a multiple of net profit or what's called EBITDA. And you can say that's the true value after the cost of doing business overhead and compensation, what's the net profit? Well, look, if we put in some kind of growth plan, I like working with people in the company because we can expand that value they're part of that culture. So selling to an insider will gain more value for not only the seller of the company, but for the buyer, than will trying to sell to a third party on the market. Am I making sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I know in the, the, the several kind of more indirect arrangements I've been involved with, it's, it's uh, uh, thankfully they've been successful, but in large part, they're successful because of, you know, finding that right successor. It really wasn't about the value. It really wasn't about, it was finding that right successor. And then quite frankly, having everybody roll up their sleeves and really find that win-win-win. Win for them, win for the buyer, and then win for the business. And if, if it's a win at all levels, it's likely to be successful. If it's win for one and lose for the other, then chances are it's not going to be and may not even last. So it's really critical that quite frankly, everybody goes into this kind of with more of a giving, not a taking mentality. And then I think you, you are more likely to have, you know, a successful transfer. Yes. It's, I, I always come back to good companies. It's shared values. And a company will grow and maintain based on shared values, not just with employees, but with trade contractors, suppliers, and even the people you work with. That's the basis. So if I'm working within my company, some kind of insider transfer, we're looking for shared values. You just said it's a win-win. They see the value of stepping into this operation. I see the value of rewarding them. It could be in some vested fashion that ownership is allocated over time, but it doesn't get transferred until perhaps year four, year five. 
And if someone leaves before that time, the vesting does not take place. So they're investing in the company and being rewarded for that performance. Excellent. Well, David, this has been excellent. It's been very, very helpful. I know we're just giving folks a taste test of a really important subject. Uh, I know that uh, you've actually set up a process to be able to help people with this. Uh, uh, so I would encourage people to certainly reach out to David Luperger. Uh, I assume you can go to contractorexitstrategy.com. That's it. Yeah, that's Great. it. Not plural. It's strategy, not strategies. And uh, certainly don't hesitate to reach back with me and I'll certainly connect the dots or make an introduction to David Luberger. So thank you again, David, for uh, joining me on uh, Remodeling Mastery. And again, I want to thank all of my supporters with National Association of the Remodeling Industry, as well as Professional Remodeler Magazine on this and encourage for everybody to, you know, not only wrap up a really interesting and different kind of year, but, you know, position themselves very effectively for 2021. Thank you, David. Thank you, Mark. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to your Modeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Sharp Eye Local. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.